I V M. Welcome to the 50th episode of Press Decode, a weekly podcast where we take Splainer's mission to declutter the news one step further. Check out our newsletter for more stories. We've got a one-month free trial for you in the show notes. So don't forget to take us for a free spin. But for now, just sit back, relax, and don't let the news give you the blues. I'm Sarah, your host for the day, and I have with me Vagda and Rachel. As always, we have three segments for you. In our first segment, we're talking about nudes. Ranveer Singh bared it all for Paper Magazine and has stirred up quite the controversy and we couldn't not talk about it. For the Food for Thought segment, we're looking at a startling new study on the roots of depression. And then in our final segment, we'll be roasting and toasting our fave and least fave items from the week. Let's get on with our big story. You absolutely could not have missed this story, like unless you were living under a rock and whatnot. All of last week, the fully but Tastefully naked photos of Ranveer Singh for Paper Magazine were the talk of the town. Some folks are all shook up on social media, but hey, we at Press Deco totally embrace every person's right to look excellent without clothes. It is understood to be an ode to Burt Reynolds' iconic photo shoot for Cosmopolitan Magazine from back in 1972. And Ranveer Singh, while talking about the shoot, in the interview says, it's so easy for me to be physically naked, but in some of my performances, I've been damn effing naked. You can see my effing soul. How naked is that? That's being actually naked. I can be naked in front of a thousand people. I don't give a shit. It's just that they get uncomfortable. Okay, so he clearly knew what he was signing up for while giving the interview, while doing the shoot. And lo and behold, just four days after the images hit the internet or broke the internet, as every headline would like to say, came the oh-so-familiar Shah of FIRs. One was filed by a person called Lalit Tekchandani, an office bearer of a Mumbai-based NGO. And now I have to detail out exactly why Mr. Tekchandani got offended, okay? And bear with me. He said that on July 24th, a friend sent him the images. And dear Tekchandani decided to somehow zoom in on one of the photographs, which is when he realized that the actor's private parts were visible. And so he believed it is not fit for consumption in India, considering it is a land of culture. Such photos could influence children who have a craze for movie actors and actresses. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the second application was filed by a woman lawyer, Vedika Chaube, who sought to have Singh booked for intending to outrage the modesty of women. Ma'am decided to speak for all men and women by saying the photographs were clicked in such a manner that any male or female will feel ashamed about it. I hope you all felt suitably ashamed when you saw the pictures. This clearly shows, and then she adds on, this clearly shows that he has nothing to do with the Indian culture and he is least bothered about the people living in the country and abroad. But his only concerns is to earn crores of rupees by damaging the cultures and traditions of India. Mm. Okay. So you get the drift. Mm. But now beyond the outrage, almost there was a meme-like style of protesting, considering one group of mostly men somehow decided to host a clothes donation camp for Ranveer. Yeah. I don't know how people have so much time, but uh, that's something that actually happened. Unemployment. <laughs> that's true. Not nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> but getting back, here's the thing, okay? Nudity is not entirely new to India. I mean, how can we ever forget the many, many headlines that Milan Soman has made. 
But mm. are they actually guilty under the very many vague laws of this country? Like, what does the law actually say? Yes, yes. Let's get into the law. So, poor Ranveer's butt has been booked under Section two ninety two, two ninety three, five zero nine of the Indian Penal Code. What? Ranveer's butt, not the entirety of Ranveer's. Yeah. Okay, Ranveer. Just his butt. Okay. Yeah, so not just IPC. So there's 292, 293 and 509 of the IPC and there's section 67A of the Information Technology Act. Let's start with 509 of the IPC. It punishes any word, gesture or act intended to insult the modesty of a woman and carries a prison term of up to 3 years. All right. Except the aim of the provision is to punish eve teasing, that is sexual harassment of women in public spaces. Also the key to the crime is that there has to be an intention did ranveer intend to insult our modesty it seems a bit of a stretch he didn't set out to insult the modesty of women by posing naked in a magazine yep i don't think so let's move on to obscenity section 292 and 293 punish the sale exhibition and circulation of obscene material section 67 of the it act does the same thing for obscene material circulated online section 67a does the same for sexually explicit material which is mainly put in place to punish pornography now most of these have exceptions in favor of the material if it promotes public good in the interest of science literature art learning religion or heritage so let's get on what make something is said to be obscene if it is lascivious or appeals to the prurient interest or if it effect is to deprave and corrupt persons So obviously the definition is super vague and subjective because what's prurient interest and what's lascivious and what is depraving corrupting people. So the courts have over time laid down a standard and that standard for judging obscenity is to see if to an average person applying contemporary community standards the dominant theme of the material taken as a whole appeals to prurient interest. So is it obscene? The courts have weighed mostly on the side of the arts and freedom of expression. In the past, they've struck down obscenity charges against M.F. Hussain's paintings and Perumal Murugan's novel *Matro Bagan*, where the Madras High Court notably said, "If you don't like a book, simply close it." Now, obviously, the court said much else also, <laughs> but it's <laughs> a lot of legalese. So, the main point is, if you don't like a book, close it, man. If you don't like a picture, don't zoom into it, man. <laughs> very important notes <laughs> and yes the most notable example which is similar to this is that 1995 case involving an ad for tough shoes which did not involve art or culture that featured milan soman and his girlfriend madhu sapre posing naked covered only by a python i'm sure you've seen the picture if you've not we'll put it in the description after 14 years the trial court finally acquitted them under provisions of obscenity saying it was impossible to label the tough shoes print ad as obscene as it was not an incentive to sensuality and nor did it bring any impure thoughts in the minds of the person of a normal temperament and declared this too conservative an approach to stand the test of time so i think ranveer is sorted except for this minor annoyance that is firs I don't think he's there's going to be much else to it. It's just nonsense. True. And can I just like start off by saying that Ranveer Singh looked absolutely fabulous in that photo shoot and yes. the most women I know are yes. not complaining, okay? No. But of course since since outrage happens to be India's middle name now, we are here discussing it. 
um right off the bat though what is absolutely insane to me is how much air time this controversy is getting right i mean the woman who filed the complaint was on a prime time news channel yelling out how ranveer singh's butt is a matter of national concern because it hurts some sort of moral fabric of society and honestly you know i think that's the basic crux of this controversy the fact that aajkal it is so easy to incite a moral panic in this country over the most inane of things right just by citing sanskar and sabhyata and everything that comes in between all of those and of course all of this just gets compounded by it getting featured on national news i mean why why is that important see the thing is i'd like to take a different opinion here only because it's on national news do we get that woman going at prime time and saying but you can see his butt where True. do you get this content correct <laughs> Content wise, great, one hundred percent. But you know what's funny is that Ranveer Singh comes from a long line of actors who have posed in the nude and uh, have also been rapped about it. Like, of course, Vagda talked about the Milan's infamous Milan Soman ad uh, in nineteen ninety five, which created a lot of ripples. And uh, he, of course, didn't stop there. In twenty twenty, he ran butt naked across a beach to celebrate his fiftieth birthday. But he did look awesome, guys, doing that. He did. So. Celebrate his fifty fifth birthday. Oh. oh, oh, okay. And then there were more, right? So there was Amir Khan, who's poster of the film PK in twenty fourteen, with that strategically placed video, also invited complaints. And more recently, Poonam Pandey and her husband were actually arrested in Goa for this shoot that they were doing. So clearly, there's a pattern here. But there are also people who have done these nude photo shoots and have actually gotten away with them, right? Like off the top of my head, there was if you haven't seen them, Vijay Devrakonda, upcoming a uh, film Liger. The poster of it is very PKesque, like you know, like something is placed hiding the bits and everything. But um, no complaints so far against him. And of course, the infamous Anil Kapoor photo, which everyone has seen and is easily accessible on social media, has clearly not been outraging any modesty in all these years. Also, like side note, if anyone would like to see these photos in all their glory, please do check out Spainer's recent big story. Everything's right there, and uh, you can find the link in the description. And it is definitely worth a view. Trust me. But in all of this, you know what stands out for me is the double standard for sure. and you know it gets worse when we talk about that double standard i remember sometime back uh, i think in about 2018 a malayalam magazine called grih lakshmi had a model on its cover who was breastfeeding a baby and a portion of her breast was visible and what followed the backlash that followed was insane you know and um, there were people again citing society morality and all that yada yada but we can have people like the naga sadhus and the digambara jain monks who go about their lives absolutely butt naked and encounter women all the time and yet no sensibilities are violated then oh I so mean, the I key think, is religion yeah exactly ah. so religion is the always key. the key yeah. mm. it is always the exception to all this yeah ranveer should just make like in his uh, in his uh, defense he should just make up religion of his own that he's following and that required him to do this shoot or whatever he's just going yeah, to yeah that's, that's one way of going yes. about it <laughs> we can definitely pitch that i think 
but uh, yeah, clearly religion is the exception here. But I think the larger question that we need to ask ourselves is who is creating this narrative, right, of a society of morality and also defining these contours of what constitutes a woman's modesty and who can outrage it and what can outrage it. Because clearly, if you think about it, uh, this so-called morality in society, if it really, you know, was concerned about women and, uh, you know, their issues, they would be acting out on actual problems, right, that plague women in their everyday lives instead of these ridiculous items that they've been doing you know and especially like I think one thing that really stands out for me is like we always like if you go on Twitter or on Instagram we always have women like yelling themselves hoarse about harassment that they face on these platforms videos that are sent to them of men who are like you know who are maybe masturbating or like you know or, or just like you know like graphic nude images and they try and get some action to be taken against those and there's radio silence there so I mean like, where is the society? Where is the morality? Where is the sanskar, sabhyata and all that stuff there? You know, while reading upon all this, one line actually really stuck with me. And I think that's my bottom line for this is like, prurience like beauty is actually in the eyes of the beholder. The problem is not really Ranveer violating anyone's modesty, but like people who are viewing the photo shoot in that tasteless manner, right? So I mean, seriously, yeah, just live and let live at this point. I think it couldn't be better said. So on that note, we come to the end of our first segment. We'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. We're Teams Planner and in today's Food for Thought, we're looking at a startling new study on the roots of depression. It suggests that there is no connection between brain chemistry and depression. And in saying so, it challenges the prescription of antidepressants to treat the condition. Unsurprisingly, many experts in the field aren't on board with these claims. But to understand why the study is actually making all these waves and is the point of great contention, we need to look at how depression actually happens and how it's treated. So... Of the, like To begin with, it is a rather complex and equally little understood condition, considering symptoms can vary from person to person. And this, in turn, makes it very difficult to diagnose and treat. Also challenging is the fact that depression can be caused by a variety of factors, including external trauma, inflammation, genes, gender, hereditary, etc. But one of the most prominent theories that is accepted for the most part is the serotonin theory that basically says serotonin, which is a chemical that carries messages from the nerve cells in the brain throughout your body, telling it how to work, affects everything from mood to sleep, digestion, blood clotting and sexual desire, is in turn also linked with depression because it's basically understood to be able to regulate your mood. And it's called the feel-good chemical, which means more the serotonin, the more happy, emotionally stable and calm you are. Whereas lower levels are associated with depression. Interesting trivia though, that I was very fascinated to know. This link was first made when scientists discovered the effects of boosting serotonin while using a drug actually intended to cure tuberculosis in the 50s. So it was purely accidental. But Thanks to this accident, we have the serotonin theory, which means SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors have become the widely used and accepted form of medication for depression. And a vast majority of the public view depression as a result of a chemical imbalance in the brain with plenty help from pharmaceutical companies that make drugs like Zoloft. Now, over the past decade or so, the serotonin theory has actually been challenged by various studies and treatments. 
For example, it was found that the effectiveness of an antidepressant called Stablon that actually reduces serotonin levels in the body. So that's basically where we're at. A widely accepted theory about serotonin and depression isn't actually standing the test of time. Then came this bombshell study that had a wide, wide ranging list of findings that seemed to upend everything that we've known until now. Let's first find out what the study actually claims. Yeah, okay. So this study was published on July 20th in the Molecular Psychology Journal. And it conducted an umbrella review of evidence collected in 17 large-scale studies involving people with and without depression. Now, serotonin levels cannot be measured on a real-time basis. So the researchers looked at the levels and activity of serotonin receptors and examined the link between serotonin and depression. The review concluded that the evidence does not show any difference in the levels of serotonin between people with depression and those without depression. There was no difference found in the activity of serotonin receptors either, which are responsible for transmitting its effect to the body. In fact, it found that in some cases, serotonin activity was actually increased in people with depression, which is the exact opposite of the serotonin theory's prediction or understanding all of this while. In two reviews from 2006 and 2007, it was found that lowering serotonin did not produce depression in hundreds of healthy volunteers. Actually, some evidence found serotonin levels and activities are lower in people who are taking or have taken antidepressants. So, what? Researchers also compared the genes that produce serotonin transporters and found no difference in healthy people and those who suffered from depression. So genes are also not making a difference. So so the study basically argues in the end that telling patients that depression is caused by low serotonin or a chemical imbalance or that antidepressants work is wrong. You shouldn't. That it's actually misinformation. Because they're literally saying that we don't know what antidepressant medication are doing to the brain or if they're even safe. And that is extremely controversial. We've all been functioning on these medications and now we're being told that they don't work. But it's not really as simple as that, you know, Vagda. Antidepressants do work. Uh, In fact, a major international study published in The Lancet, which is a prominent medical journal, they looked at 21 commonly used antidepressants and they concluded that these uh, meds are actually more effective than placebo for the short-term treatment of acute depression. You know, I think the best way to look at this review is that while it does say that there may not be a connection between depression and serotonin levels, but at the same time, the question that everyone seems to be asking of whether antidepressants work or not is something that the review did not study at all. So, um, in fact, if you actually like look at psychiatrists talking about it, it doesn't really change their medical outlook on the disease because like none of the experts actually believe that serotonin levels were the sole primary cause of depression, right? And I think here a massive proportion of the blame needs to be accorded to the reportage on this review. There have been big, bold headlines questioning the efficacy of these drugs. But honestly, I want to put on record and say that even the authors of the study wrote that no one should stop their medications without consulting their doctors. So and 
honestly, I feel like it's also very unfortunate that this is happening because antidepressants in generally has so much of stigma attached to them, right? Like, you know, like even going to a pharmacy and buying like an antidepressant uh, pill can be a task for a lot of people. And, you know, irresponsibly reporting on this review is now basically contributing to that narrative key, you know, perhaps there's something wrong with the person and not, you know, and it's not actually a disease. And it's obviously not helpful for someone who's already suffering from depression, right? But like coming back to the study, there was this quote that I read by this UK-based psychiatrist named Michael Bloomfield. And I think it really puts things into perspective, right? He said that many of us know that taking a paracetamol helps for head. But we don't believe that there's a lack of paracetamol, which is why we're getting the headache, right? So (laughs) the same sort of logic really applies to depression and its meds. Basically, he says that there is like actual consistent evidence that antidepressants medicine, antidepressants work and they can be helpful in the treatment of depression and they have actually improved life for a lot of people. And, you know, even besides these trials that these medicines have gone through before coming to a pharmacy, we cannot ignore the many, many testimonials of people who credit antidepressants for improving their quality of life, right? And like in some cases, even some of them even credit these medicines for saving them. In fact, uh, when we published a big story on this planner, on this exact review, we had people writing to us and telling us that they were, you know, because of this study and because of the reportage around it, they were gaslit into believing that their medicines don't work when they know for a fact that these medicines did improve their lives. So I think, honestly, this is not the end, right? This is just one study one of many which will come and make us understand depression more and depression from what we know is not a single disease and it won't have a single treatment right so I don't I don't see what this you know this buhaha is all about because it's you know um it's not the end word on it this is not the last word on it there's more to come and there's more research to be done for sure yeah it was clearly one study that was blown out of proportion because the the findings yeah, were, like we said, different and very, very headline-making. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, on that note, we come to the end of this segment. We'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. Welcome back to Press Decode on the IVM Podcast Network. It's time for our final segment this week, Roast Autos. Who wants to go first? Who has the least fave? Okay, I can go first. So my least fave is this recent news that Meta and the other big tech companies like Google, Microsoft and the like actually want to change time for their convenience, if you can believe it. Yeah, really. (laughs) What do you mean change time? Yeah, so now before I'm sure a lot of tech bros come after me, let me clarify and give some context, right? So the earth, apparently, um, like news to me too, does not rotate in a uniform manner. So, I mean, it has one job to do, but it doesn't do that well. And uh, because of this, there can be a lag in experts called solar time based on this earth's movement and universal time, which we follow. And to make up for it, to make up for the lag, they've come up with this uh, concept called leap seconds. And they're added to this universal time. Now, since 1972, there have been 27 leap seconds added. But these leap seconds majorly confuse computers, which can also crash because of that. Because guys, this is 2022 and computers are still not repositories of AI as everyone would like us to believe. 
they still get confused so to avoid this confusion these biggies basically want to do away with leap seconds altogether they're like hey, we don't want these extra uh, time hata do use and that's like that's so weird to me right i mean i'm sure i'm not the only one who's uncomfortable with the idea ki the big tech can dictate can basically dictate how time should be run I mean, it's not like they haven't invaded our lives already, but now they will like figure out how time should be run as well. So, yeah, I mean, what the hell? I just hmm. not vibing with leap seconds. Sorry, no, not about this life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's just change the concept of time. Why not? Okay, I come bearing a strange, strange story from West Bengal. That's my disclaimer. So, the sale of flavored condoms in Durgapur have been shooting through the roof. And yeah, you think everyone's having safe sex? Great, but no, that's not the case. The infamous youths are actually using these condoms to get high. What? They basically soak the flavored condoms in hot water and then drink the liquid. The result is oh apparently a high that lasts ten to twelve hours. If you're just as confused as I was, allow me. The process apparently breaks down large organic molecules and creates alcohol compounds that keep the kids nice and high. So wait, one second. This is like yeah, this is like a condom yeah, version of mulled wine. Ew, that sounds disgusting. Why would you do this? <laughs> Why would you do this? Ew, oh my god, Vagda's cancelled. We're not letting her talk. Again. <laughs> oh my god. Why would you ruin mulled wine? That's too Vagda. That should be a crime. Personal offense. Sure. Anyway, yeah. I was giving a disclaimer. Don't quote me on the science because this is basically what a Durga based, Durgapur based chemistry teacher told Money Control, and I'm taking his word for it. Have so many questions and concerns. Okay, number one, which one of these youths decided to do this yeah, for the first time? I, know, right? I want to know who, who came decided. Up How? What was the thought process behind? Come, let's boil some condoms. But obviously, now the infamous list of whiteners, cough syrups, glue, nail polish removers, and iodex apparently has got a new friend in flavored condoms. Who's going to win this race now? Let's find out. But also, last thing to the youth, instead of putting in so much effort, why not just get the alcohol? Why make all these alcohol compounds by boiling and whatnot? I don't understand. Wait, but like guys, like who's getting high on iodex? I have heard of this. I have heard what? of this. Sarah, anecdotal. <laughs> Basically, though, my mind was blown. This. A teacher told me this weirdly enough, but you can basically like, you put butter, you put iodex on bread, and apparently eat it, and it gives you high. Oh my god! Please don't try this, guys. I swear to God. How much of a teacher's pet were you that teacher came and told you this? No, we were discussing. This is not helping your reputation on. in either sense, Sara. I agree. I agree. I just my last disclaimer: please don't try any of these. Just just get yeah. the actual alcohol if you're so desperate. Hmm. Fave items, please. Yes, fave item. <laughs> okay, so I'm sure by now you know that if there is a crazy art story, it will be my most fave item of the week. So here I am with an artwork that is a single slice of pickle from a McDonald's cheeseburger that is flung onto the ceiling of an Auckland art gallery, and that is the exhibit. That's an artwork, a single slice <laughs> of pickle that's stuck to the ceiling. And how much is it worth? Ten thousand New Zealand dollars. You really have to see the exhibit. It's one tiny slice stuck to the ceiling. It's like a piece of gum stuck under a table. That's the exhibit. And is it weird that the artwork is provocatively designed to question what what has value? 
वाह दिस इज क्लासिक बनाना टेप्ड ऑन द वॉल एक्सेप्ट विद लेसर एफर्ट और मोर वट डू थिंक मोर और लेस एफर्ट ियन And guess what? All of this laughter—it's approved. The director of the exhibit approves your laughter. He said it's okay because it is funny. He said it. Thank God. He approves of using humor as a device because that's how value and meaning is generated between people. Wow. We, we are determining the value of this artwork. Is it an artwork? What do you say? <laughs> so the more you're laughing, you're increasing the price. No, no, yeah, I mean, no. That's not it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> We, you know, all of us were artists, right? Like, let's just all flick a pixel up to the ceiling and see how. Oh, not just that. Is. Like, if you if you wrote or like engraved your name on your school table or like stuck yeah. a piece of gum under the table, that that makes you an artist. That's that's basically Matthew Griffin. Clearly, we all have a taste for high art. Yes. I don't even want to join. Like, have fun, guys. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that was our show this week. Thank you so much for joining us on Press Decode. This was our 50th and last episode. We'll be back soon. So until then, guys, please remember, don't let the news give you the blues. <laughs>